0: Today's podcast is brought to you by FantasyFeud.com, a premier destination for daily fantasy sports. Fantasy Feud offers daily contests for all sports and a wide array of game offerings. Play in their high-stakes $1 million NFL championship, or try one of their NFL season-long leagues where you draft a new team each week. Join Fantasy Feud today and get a 100% first-time deposit bonus with promo code 444. That's 4-F-O-R-4. Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast presented by 4 for 4 Football. It's already week 15 in the NFL. I'm four for four. Senior DFS editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my co-host Mr. TJ Hernandez. What is going on, TJ?
1: What's up, Chris? Yeah, man. Week Week 15. We got three weeks left. If you don't count playoffs, it's it's a little little bittersweet. I'm looking forward to like a little mini vacation, but at the same time, this is like this is what we live for all year. So it's going to be I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself in a few weeks.
0: I mean, you know, there's always NBA. I know you uh, you haven't jumped on that train yet. but uh. No, I do need to get on that, though. <laughs> oh, man. Definitely, no. NBA is really fun as well. I encourage any of you uh, NFL DFS listeners, which is pretty much all of you, to uh, give NBA a try after the season's done if you're into uh, DFS and you're into the NBA at all because it is a truly daily uh, sport, so... Uh, Daily game, that is, and uh, it's pretty fun. But we got a lot to get to today. Our DFS theory topic will be a topic I believe we touched on at some point earlier in the season, but we want to revisit it. Regression. And first, I want to mention the song that played us in was Hip Hop Parade by Naughty By Nature off their 1993 album, 1993. TJ a very nice selection by you why did you choose it
1: yeah man i'm i've just been uh listening to the spotify 90s hip-hop playlists and then just picking the ones that stood out i heard that one today and i was like oh we haven't even come close to nothing uh from naughty so i just thought we'd throw it on and take the listeners back
0: definitely. And how good is Spotify, by the way? I remember Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> when I when it first came out, I was like, I don't need this thing. I resisted it for a little while, and once I got it, now I don't think I could live without out. It's kind of like Netflix to me at this point. Yeah. But moving on, let's get right into our free subscription winner for this week. So, if you guys have been listening to the podcast on a weekly basis, you know that Every week, we have a free subscription giveaway for a 4 for 4 football DFS sub. And basically, to win, you have to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And we choose a winner at random during the week. And we read them off at the beginning of the podcast. So, the winner of this week's free 4 for 4 DFS subscription is Jag Lawson. So, congrats, Jag Lawson. Thank you very much for. Rating and reviewing the podcast, please email dfsmvp at 4 for com to get your free DFS subscription. Jag Lawson, again, please contact dfsmvp at 4 for com to claim your free subscription. Let's get right into some week 14 takeaways. Uh, A couple stood out for me. One was this Russell Wilson to Doug Baldwin connection is officially real. Um, it they both of them are playing really well right now, uh, and with Thomas Rawls now out, it they figured to wean on that connection even more going forward. I'm not sure what it is with the Seahawks; they don't have much luck with bringing in new receivers whether it was Percy Harvin whether it was Jimmy Graham but everything seems to click once uh when the good old Wilson the Baldwin connection gets going that seems to be a catalyst for them and then another thing I noticed last week was it reinforced the fact that cheap volume always outweighs matchup Tim Hightower was a guy I wavered on last week I went back and forth on ultimately ended up using him a bit, not really writing him up um the way I wanted to, but he actually had a productive game and he was minimum priced across the industry and when a running back is minimum priced even in a tough matchup which the Bucks were on paper just because the potential is there for volume, the, there's so many things that could go right when a running back is at minimum salary and he's going to get a lot of volume um From just getting an easy short touchdown, which Hightower did, to something like maybe a defender falling down and a running back getting sprung for a long gain or a missed tackle. Usually one or two plays from a running back or any player really that's minimum priced a lot of times can get the job done. So something to consider when you're thinking about rostering these really cheap guys who make you a little uncomfortable. In tournaments, there's just a lot more that can end up going right for a guy at that price than can end up going wrong because at minimum price, a guy really won't hurt you as much as a guy will, you know, even in those lower to middle tiers. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. There. What about you, TJ? What do you have?
1: Yeah, I mean the the big one me with seattle like you mentioned uh not even just doug baldwin but uh russell wilson throughout his career he's been one of the more efficient quarterbacks um both in terms of completion percentage and touchdown rate uh just that the volume hasn't always been there uh, in this offense uh they're throwing a lot more now just i mean they can't keep a running back healthy uh, and we've seen uh, the fruits of that volume uh, now we see Russell Wilson top five in completion percentage, top five in touchdown rate again. Uh, he's always been right around that top five, but like I said, uh, just that volume hasn't always been there. We're finally seeing what what he can do when they start chucking it. Uh, another big takeaway for me, and really what uh, what spurred the theory topic this week, was just a a combination of trusting your your own. Uh, research and analysis like we've talked about before, and specifically uh, regression. I'll I'll talk about it uh, in detail more when we get into the theory topic, Uh, but I went on a little Twitter uh, regression rant uh, leading up to last week's games, uh, pointed out some guys that were some strong touchdown regression candidates, uh, failed to play most of them, and it proved to be very costly because a lot of those guys ended up having very good days um, in scoring. So, uh, yeah, just just trusting your own research, uh, you know, not getting swayed at the last minute. All things we've talked about throughout the year, and just uh, avoiding that that recency bias, uh, just because a player hasn't been performing well recently. There's plenty of data that we have available to us that will uh, suggest, you know, when it's maybe a trend that uh, a player is maybe not what we thought, or if it's just variance, and we can expect some uh, upward production from, from specific players.
0: Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Um, all right. So, uh, let's jump right into quarterbacks. TJ, take it away.
1: Yeah, this is a, a very interesting, very unique week for quarterbacking. And this is why I love DFS because every week's a different puzzle. Every week's really unique. Uh, this week we have this very interesting situation where, um, there's there are two top guys uh two like kind of second tier guys who are are uh, priced exactly the same pretty much and they also have very similar matchups so starting at the top we have Tom Brady and Cam Newton uh, Brady's 9500 on uh on FanDuel is 7800 on DraftKings and then we have Cam who's 9400 and 7800 uh FanDuel on DraftKings and uh, this is this is why DFS is such a great game, because we have these two quarterbacks they are in these great situations. We look at the over-unders of the game. They're both uh, you know, right between 46 and 48. Uh, the Patriots are projected to score 30 points, the highest point total uh, of the week, favored by 14 against Tennessee. And then we have Carolina. Uh, they're favored by five, projected to score over 26 points. Uh, We look at 4 for 4s adjusted fantasy points allowed. Both teams rank in the bottom uh, 10 of the league uh, and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, I I think this this is one of those spots where it's going to come down to uh, lineup construction. It's going to come down to uh, if you have players like we'll get into later, like maybe the pass catchers like Greg Olson, if you want to stack Cam uh, with one of his pass catchers in cash. uh, And once we get the data on Thursday to see ownership percentages, it'll give us a a very interesting uh, game theory uh, play. One of them is higher own, the other one's going to be a great GPP play. Uh, Without knowing those percentages, uh, I think that I like Cam in cash just because he's proven that he has that higher floor. He leads all quarterbacks in rushing and rushing touchdowns. He now leads the league in touchdown rate. He's the only quarterback throwing a touchdown mm-hmm. on over 7% of his passes. Um, and like I mentioned, New York's uh, secondary is very, very suspect. Um, so I, I think that the play is probably going to be playing Cam in cash just because he's uh, just very, very trustworthy. Not that Tom Brady isn't. Uh, but my hunch is that based on recent production, people are going to be a little bit higher on Cam, and that will give us a nice natural pivot to Tom Brady. Uh, if we drop down a little bit in price, we see a, another very similar situation. We have Russell Wilson, who is 8800 on FanDuel, uh, $7,000 on DraftKings. And we have Carson Palmer, uh, $8,700 on FanDuel, $7,000 on DraftKings. So uh, pretty much the same scenario. Um, both teams are expected to score – a lot uh the only difference is that arizona is in a higher overall projected game against philly that has an over under over 50 while the seattle and cleveland game has over under just 43 uh that's just a function of cleveland's uh cleveland just being being a pretty bad team uh the reason i really really like russell wilson uh, not just because his uh his recent production uh he also has that, that scrambling ability, and I think it's a spot where we're going to see Seattle uh, leading even more on Russell Wilson than they have recently just because they don't have a clear running back at this point. Uh, they're probably going to be using a committee. We saw them sign Bryce ba- Brown, release DeWan Harris. Um, then we saw them re-sign Christy Michael. Uh, so it's just going to be a running back carousel back there, and I don't think we can go into this game expecting them to be that uh, run-heavy, pound-the-rock team uh, that we're used to and you just give seattle a slight nod here because they have a higher team total uh, because they have a higher expected total uh, relative to their point per game average uh, and it's just a slightly better matchup uh, both of these teams are are cleveland and philadelphia are teams that are susceptible on defense especially to the past um, but cleveland uh, has been especially bad they've uh, had trouble putting pressure on the quarterback. And like I mentioned with Russell Wilson, he's been been super efficient lately. Uh, so, again, I think it's going to be a situation where uh, you're going to want to wait to see those ownership percentages on Thursdays. Uh, if you're thinking about rostering either of these guys in GPP specifically, uh, using the lower-owned one as the natural pivot uh, in that situation. <clears throat> and then a, a cheaper guy who I think the the one that really stands out this week is Matthew Stafford at 7800 eight hundred on FanDuel and $6,100 on DraftKings uh, just because he is facing that Saints defense that we've been targeting all year. We did see the Bucks struggle last week against the Saints, but I think that was more a function of the Buccaneers being inefficient than the Saints putting up a good fight. Uh, There's still a defense that we want to target uh, pretty much all, all of our offensive weapons. Uh, the Saints rank 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Again, we have a game that has an over-under at 50 points. It's the second-highest projected game total. Uh, it's going to be indoors, so there's no weather concerns. Uh, it's a spread of just three points, so it should be close. It has uh, shootout written all over it. And as much as we like to uh, bash Matthew Stafford and say that this is an offense that we can't trust too much, uh, he's had three spots this year where he's had very, very uh, glaring matchups against teams that rank really low against quarterbacks. In those games being against Chicago, Oakland, and Philly. Uh, in all three of those games, uh, he's put up at least 20 points on both FanDuel and DraftKings. And then in two of those games, we saw him put up over 34 on FanDuel, over 37 on DraftKings. So Matthew Stafford's taken advantage of these really, really good matchups. And I think it's a spot where we've seen Golden Take coming on lately. Uh, Calvin is Calvin. He's been inconsistent, but we know he could take advantage of a good matchup. We saw it on Thanksgiving. Um, I think if you're looking for a cheap quarterback, uh, you can you can make a pretty strong case for uh, rostering Matthew Stafford. And as we get through these picks um, and all the positions, but specifically the pass catchers, I think you'll see that regardless of who you choose uh, between the the Brady, the Cam, the Wilson, and the Palmer, uh, there's probably going to be a way to get access to all these passing games, even if you don't, even if you can't decide on one of the quarterbacks specifically.
0: Definitely good stuff, and I just want to add that because there are so many quarterbacks with gorgeous matchups, a a couple of them are going to be way Um, under-owned. I'm Guessing that Russell Wilson will be the most popular quarterback just because of how successful he's been lately, and then probably Cam Newton in second. I would think. Like I agree said. with
1: that. That's what I think it'll be.
0: Yeah. So that you know, you could see a situation where you have Carson Palmer, who's just been going over 300 yards easily almost every game against. Uh, An Eagles defense that gives off a ton of plays and he may be owned well into the single digits. You have Stafford against the league's worst defense and he may be owned well into the single digits. And of course Brady and some of the other guys that we haven't even mentioned. So definitely a week where you're going to want to really pay close attention to those ownership percentages. Because as I've mentioned before on the show... Especially in the larger GPPs, the winning quarterback, the quarterback in the winning lineup, excuse me, tends to be on the lower owned side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's not as much differentiation between these guys as may show up in the ownership percentages. So, something to take advantage of this weekend. Moving on to running back, and this is a interesting week for running back as well because there are just a lot of replacement running backs in there at this point in the season. It's week 15. A lot of guys are banged up. And I think a guy who might get overlooked just because there's so much value at running back is Adrian Peterson. He is 8,600 on FanDuel and 7,100 on DraftKings. He's accounted for uh, 47.6 of the Vikings' offensive touches, and that is tops in the league. So he's getting a huge workload. He leads the NFL in rushing attempts with 268, rushing yards with 1,251, and rushing touchdowns with 9. He'll face a Bears D, ranked 30th in yards per carry allowed at 4.7 They rank 26th in rushing yards allowed per game at 125.7. And the Vikings are substantial favorites, hovering around 5, 5.5 points. Then we move down to David Johnson. Andre Ellington's been having some problems, hasn't really been practicing with the toe, Bruce Arians, even if Ellington is able to go, Bruce Arians has tended to roll with one feature back at a time this season. So Johnson will likely maintain his heavy workload regardless of what happens there. He's had 24 touches in each of his last two starts, gone over 120 total yards in both of those games. And the Eagles' defense is permitting 202 total yards per game to running backs over their last five games so that is a huge number and johnson being a guy that is doing damage on the ground and through the air is a perfect candidate to rack up a ton of yardage especially in that offense in this game with uh, an over under above 50 Then we have Lamar Miller. He's 6,700 on FanDuel, 5,700 on DraftKings. News came out that he had a bit of an ankle injury, which explained why he only got five carries in the second half last week, but I would expect, as long as he's healthy, so keep an eye on his status, but as long as he's healthy, I would expect them to recommit to him again. He had... 89 yards and two touchdowns on only 12 carries last week. The week before, which uh, was the first week without Bill Lazor, he got 20 carries for 113 against a strong Ravens front. So they won that game. Lost the Giants game where Miller didn't carry as much. Um, and I know that it's 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 more of a cause and effect. You don't you don't win because you run. But in the Dolphins' case, this has been a a theme for them throughout. The last few years where they just tend to abandon the run and it doesn't go well, so I think they will want to commit to the run and probably will have success in doing so against the Chargers, whose defense is ranked 31st in yards per carry allowed at 4.8, and the Chargers offense is banged up. They're struggling to score, so this game is unlikely to turn into a shootout, which actually could work in Miller's benefit. Because as I did mention, you never know with the Dolphins. They tend to abandon the run when things go south. But in this game particularly, I don't think uh, the Chargers will be able to jump out to a big lead. And finally... I shouldn't say final because there's so many running backs, but one I'll point out is Denard Robinson, 6,300 on FanDuel, 4,600 on DraftKings. He will fill in for an injured TJ Yeldon, it looks like, and a lot of people may stray away from Denard Robinson just based on what they know about him. Uh, in college, he was a quarterback, and you know he's on the Jaguars, so those two factors kind of usually keep your ownership down but the Falcons defense is actually ranked 29th in four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed two running backs last week Robinson posted a very useful 14 carry 75 yard one touchdown line and that was you know coming off the bench he also strung together a number of productive Fantasy lines as a starter last season. Mm -hmm. So he had... A 22 carry, 127, one touchdown game, followed by 18 for 108, followed by 17 for 94 in a touchdown, followed by 15 carries for 60 yards and two scores, and that was in weeks 7 through 10, respectively, last season. So, definitely been able to maintain some consistency and produce useful fantasy output already in his career, so I wouldn't be too worried about him in this spot, especially against uh Falcons defense that the, the data is telling us is not very strong in preventing fantasy points to running backs. And then of course there are just a bunch of other guys that I won't really be able to get into but, you know, there's still Brandon Bolden and Chuck Kendrick West of Spencer Ware is out and Tim Hightower and just uh, the Seahawks running backs. I don't even. Be- I don't know if the Seahawks running backs are on the DFS slates because of how they got signed midweek. So um.
1: Bryce, Bri- Bryce Brown de- definitely is not. Uh, okay. At least on at least on Fanduel, he's not. Christian um, Michael's been floating around, so uh, I don't. I, since he just got re- signed, I don't think he's on there this week. Uh, even if they were, I don't think it's a situation you would touch. Um, I think the interesting injury injury spot is the Panthers. Um uh there's been some buzz about Fozzie Whitaker, but then the team said they might give some uh some run to uh Cameron Artis Payne. Uh, so uh I think that's that's the uh that's a spot that could be interesting. Seattle looks like it's gonna be kind of a, a definite running back share.
0: Right. Yeah, um I remember earlier in the season reading about the Panthers beat writers saying that Cameron Argus Payne would be the guy if Stewart went down. It didn't look to be the case necessarily last week. Uh, Whitaker was the guy more so, and the word is he's going to start this week, so I would would lean toward him as well, Um, but yeah, definitely a lot going on at running back this week, so. If you have a 4 for 4 DFS subscription, be sure to check out the, the tournament article for a breakdown on kind of all those options and where they rank and where we recommend you, you do there. But moving on to wide receiver TJ, you know, you there's a guy that you're going to lead off with. A couple of guys that you're going to lead off with that I really like because I think that other receivers on these players teams are actually going to be owned higher Mm -hmm. but you're about to point out a couple of guys one on the cardinals and one on the lions that really deserve consideration so take it away
1: yeah I don't even think it's just consideration I think uh, probably the value play of the week is Michael Floyd he's just he's just so cheap compared to his recent production compared to his role in such a high-powered offense Uh, Floyd's $6,100 $6,100 on FanDuel. Uh, he's only $4,400 on DraftKings. Uh, in three of his last four games, he's he missed one game in the Cardinals' last five games, but in three of his last four games, um, he has eight targets and 100 yards in those games. Uh, he's still priced outside the top 30 wide receivers, and you, you talked about uh, relative to these quote-unquote number one targets on their teams. Interesting because I wrote down their, their price relative to these guys for both Floyd and Tate. Uh, Floyd's $1,100 cheaper on FanDuel, $2,900 cheaper on DraftKings compared to Fitzgerald. Uh, but if you look at the recent game splits since Michael Floyd started going on this little tear, I mentioned uh, his last four games. Fitz has went over 100 yards just once um, since Floyd has has went on caught fire a little bit. And his only other game with at least 90 yards was the game that Floyd was out. Uh, and in addition to that, he uh, he being Larry Fitzgerald hasn't caught a pass uh, in five straight weeks. Uh, we've already touched on it a couple times. Uh, this is a game with over under, uh, over 50, and a projected team total at 27 for the Cardinals. Uh, Philly ranks 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Uh, and Floyd, he's always been, or, you know, leading into the past couple seasons, we've considered him kind of a, a boomer bust, low volume, big play guy. But as I mentioned of late, he's been a high volume guy, like his floor's pretty decent. He's seen uh multiple targets um just slightly less than than uh, Fitzgerald, but he's been a lot more efficient with those targets. And then as you mentioned, jumping up a little bit in price, Golden Tate, he's sixty nine hundred dollars on FanDuel, uh fifty five hundred on DraftKings, uh, but he still offers uh a really good bargain if we if we look at his his last six games. Um, this is a guy that, going into last week, he he was a guy that stood out as someone that was trending upward, and uh, I faded him, uh, and it didn't go well because he had a really big game. Uh, he's averaging over eight targets since week, week eight. Uh, he has 10 red zone targets over the, that span. That's uh, fifth among all wide receivers uh, over the past seven weeks. Um, Again, a high game total, 50-point over-under. New Orleans is a a team we want to target with all of our pass catchers. They rank 28th in adjusted fantasy points, allow two wide receivers. And Tate, just like Floyd, he's really, really underpriced compared to the uh, apparent number one wide receiver on the team. Uh, Tate is $1,100 less than Megatron on FanDuel, uh, $1,400 less Uh, on DraftKings, even though he has three more targets, uh, 15 more catches, and four more red zone targets over the past month. So Tate is a guy that uh, we've seen him go through these stretches before, uh, usually when when Calvin was out uh, last year, but we've seen him be a high-volume guy that can be very efficient with those targets, and Stafford's been leaning on him a little bit, uh, but he's done it uh, a little quietly. And even though he did have a big game last week, I think just because that was... uh, Outside of Tate, that game against the Rams was just such a uh, a boring game that a lot of people weren't paying attention to. There were so many high-profile games going on at the same time um, that I think he's probably still flying under the radar a little bit. And I was really surprised when uh, the week started. and I, I jumped on fantasy Twitter and I saw everybody touting um, Calvin Johnson. It seems like that the value is in Tate. Uh, so that's where I'm going this week uh, if I'm targeting one of their pass catchers. Right around the same price point, uh, Jeremy Macklin. He's $6,700 on FanDuel, uh, $5,500 on DraftKings. Again, targeting a a subpar defense. Uh, Baltimore is a team that's uh, been torched through the air. Uh, They're in 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, The Chiefs have a team total over 24 points, Uh, even... They've kind of been on fire lately outside of last week, which was just kind of uh, just a sloppy game and in bad weather where they only scored 10 points. Uh, Kansas city had five straight games of at least 29 points. Their defense has been on fire, but uh, team, I think players DFS players are still kind of avoiding this offense just because of the perception that they're a low scoring, uh boring team, but they've been putting up points and Macklin's bigger been a big part of that. He has nine, Targets in three straight games, uh, double digit targets in two of those games, uh, 29% of the team market, uh, total target market share, and uh, 27% of their red zone market share. Uh, and you have to take into account uh, Baltimore's offense. Their offense is so bad regardless of, of who starts uh, at quarterback that they're just going to put other teams in really, really favorable field position, which is obviously going to lead to more uh, scoring opportunities. Um, so that's one thing that we don't talk about a lot, but you should overlook when you're evaluating offenses is the opposing offense. If the opposing offense is going to sh- struggle a lot, that's going to leave the other team in a really good position. Um, and then since it is regression week, uh, here on the DFS MVP pod, uh, my regression candidate of the week is Demarius Thomas. Uh, he ranks in the top five in red zone targets over the past six weeks. Uh, he has 10 red zone targets over that span, uh, but he's only converted one of those into touchdowns. Uh, I'll get into more detail on, on expected, uh, totals for receivers and, uh, and red zone targets, um, but but he's a guy that we've seen score in bunches in the past. Uh, even though this is a relatively low total, a relatively low team total, Pittsburgh does rank 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to quarterbacks. And we've seen Pittsburgh put up uh, a lot of really gaudy offensive numbers, and it's going to take a lot to keep up with this Pittsburgh team. Uh, so I think it's a game that, that could turn into a sneaky shootout, um, even though... Uh, Denver's offense hasn't been exactly efficient. Um, if they're going to want to keep up with this high-powered Pittsburgh offense, then uh, they're going to have to throw in. I think Demarius is a guy that uh, is probably going to fly under the radar, and his price is really, really depressed um, at $7,700 on Vandal, and uh, I, I think he's a really, really interesting candidate for GPPs this week.
0: Definitely, and it's, it's an interesting week again because a lot of the stud wide receivers and the most expensive wide receivers are just in terrible matchups.
1: Yeah, week. there's not a clear top guy this week.
0: There's really not. So that even increases the value of guys like Tate and, and, and guys like Floyd because you have Odell Beckham going up against Josh Norman. Now, mm-hmm. who knows who's going to win that matchup? You know, Odell Beckham's certainly good enough to beat Josh Norman, but at the same token, Josh Norman is certainly good enough to shut... You know, or at least limit Beckham. When you have Antonio Brown going against the Broncos defense, that's they're ranked first in four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. So we know Antonio Brown can go off against anybody, but in terms of just a dollar for dollar value, probably not the best week for him either. And then we saw what effect that the Colts and Vontae Davis can still have on, on a number one receiver. They're going against Hopkins this week alan robinson only had one catch last week i know that was a bit of a weird game but um they were able to limit him so and then aj green of course dealing with the new quarterback there's a lot of question marks at the top so don't be afraid to mix and match in those middle tiers and before we move on i just want to remind our listeners that fantasyfeud.com is the place to play one day fantasy contests You can now join their NBA contests which are live on the site in addition to NFL, NHL, PGA, and NASCAR. Contests start for as little as $1 or you can even try it free and play for points to redeem in their store. If you're looking to cash in, they have a $1 million NFL Feud of Champions contest where they are giving out $250,000 to first place. Over the last few weeks, their qualifiers to this event have had massive overlay. Last year's winner took home the first place prize with a $2 satellite entry. Go to com today and get a 100% first-time deposit bonus with the referral code 444. That's the number 4, the letters F-O-R, and the number 4.
1: If you're looking for a little bit of a narrative street, um, it is the week of the DraftKings final. Uh, last year for the DraftKings final, Odell Beckham was on his tear and he had an apparently bad matchup against the Rams and he was the, the top player to avoid just because he was priced so much higher uh, than all the other wide receivers. He ended up going off and winning a lot of people a lot of money for players that did play him. It's DraftKings finals week again. Odell has an apparently bad matchup and he's $500 more than the second price wide receiver. Uh, so if, you, if you're looking for a little narrative... There. that's probably the one for you this week
0: we've seen this before all it takes is one injury all yep. it takes is a guy to weave the game for a couple of plays and you know you can see a wide receiver take advantage especially on a team like the Giants Eli Manning regardless of what you think of him he is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the week so their situation Carolina is thin on the secondary on the back end so there's situations that Beckham could exploit whether he maybe lines up in the slot where Norman really has not been traveling this season or whether something fluky happens, like an injury or something like that. Beckham could definitely go off. He's just been on a complete tear as of late. So I really like uh, that call that TJ pointed out. Um, Don't don't straight up ignore these guys, but just kind of... Think about um, things that could happen that could actually make them worth their while to roster. And you could do something like in, Cam Newton will obviously be a, a popular play. Greg Olson will obviously be a popular play, which I'll get to in a minute. You know, You could have a tournament lineup where you also play Beckham in those lineups. So if the game turns into something like a shootout, Carolina does not have their starting running back. You know, it could it could end up being one of those games. We always see the Giants tend to play some of the better teams close. They kinda of play up and down in their competition. So Odell Beckham, contrarian play of the week right there. But uh moving into tight ends, as usual for this season now, you know, Gronk, I don't think he's a cash game option, even with the value at wide receiver. I just he's just very overpriced Um, in terms of his cash game viability, I think he's a great tournament play every week. This week, the Patriots have a team total over 30, and Gronk accounts for a ton of the Patriots' touchdowns when he is in the lineup. So, definitely not a guy I would ignore, but as TJ has pointed out before, Gronk is a lot more expensive than... Uh, so the next highest tight end, especially on Sandal, um, he's 8,500 and Greg Olson is 6,800. So it's a huge discrepancy there. It's a little closer on DraftKings, but of course the calf is lower as well. But Olson, he looks like he's healthy. He plans to play. The Giants are always a team that we want to attack with tight ends. They're permitting the third most fantasy points per game to the position, the third most yards to the position at 872 this season, the fifth most receptions at 72 to tight ends this season for the Giants. And Olsen is second among tight ends in targets per game at 8.3 yards per game at 74.5 and red zone targets on the season. He's got 16, so that's second among tight ends as well. And then another guy, if you want to kind of get away from, the chalk Olsen pick Julius Thomas he's 6200 on FanDuel 4700 on DraftKings I do like his price a little more on DraftKings 6200 is a lot to pay for tight ends but the coverage is somewhat bare at the position this week um Ben Watson is also an option a little lower but Thomas has scored a touchdown in four straight He'll look to make it five straight against the Falcons defense that has allowed the fifth most touchdowns to tight ends on the season with eight. Thomas is averaging 7.5 targets per game over his last four. And something to keep in mind there is the Falcons have a really good cornerback in Desmond Trufant. And a lot of quarterbacks tend not to throw to his side of the field, but that's the thing. He only plays a side of the field. So... The Jaguars have been a team throughout the season that have relied heavily on their wide receivers, but if there, if it becomes a situation where maybe Blake Bortles isn't throwing to a certain side of the field as much, that means he's not throwing to his wide receivers necessarily as much. That could help Thomas, and that comes out in the schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed rankings where the Falcons are very strong against wide receivers, but uh, much weaker against running backs and tight ends, so something to keep in mind there. Uh, anything else on tight ends, TJ? Uh,
1: you mentioned Julius Tom's price and how $6,200 isn't uh, necessarily cheap, but FanDuel's pricing is really interesting in that they've kind of uh, just bunched all these tight ends in uh, together in terms of their pricing. Um, there's The lowest I might go for a cash game Uh, Tight end this week is is Ben Watson, but he's still fifty six hundred. So you see a guy you mentioned Julius Thomas, who's priced seventh. Um, He's six hundred dollars more than a guy that's priced eleventh. So all these tight end groupings, outside of like Greg Olson, um, they're all pretty close. And unless you have a a very specific uh, lineup consideration. Uh, switching out one guy for the other probably isn't going to drastically change your lineup um you know when you're within like that $500 range um you're talking about maybe uh maybe switching out one other guy but but these guys are priced really close together and and I think um I think that makes it uh it, it makes an argument to pay up a little more just because it's not like you're you're overpaying for these guys relative to the other options
0: Definitely yeah all bunched up together and yeah I think uh I don't think it's a problem paying for him at, at that price just because, like you said, he is seventh on Sandu, so a uh, good point there.
1: Yeah, so uh, so that's our tight ends. Uh, just quickly run through our, our favorite position of the week, and that's the mm-hmm. kicker. Um, there's there's two guys that really stand out to me as uh, men priced options, uh, and they just happen to be playing in the same game. We have Kai Forbath and Matt Prater of the Saints and uh, and the Lions. Uh, we've already mentioned that this is expected to be a very high-scoring game, 50-point uh, uh, 50, uh, 50 point over-under. Uh, the game's going to be played indoors, which is always a consideration at this time of year. Uh, and these players, Kai Forbath and Matt Prater, are third and fourth respectively in 4-for-4 four four value reports. So two kickers that are mid-price indoors in a high-scoring game. And then if you want to pay up, maybe be contrarian just by price, but I think people might be on it a little bit just because um, he's been good and the team's been scoring a lot. Is Steven Hauschka. Uh, He's priced at $5,000. Seattle has the second highest team total of the week. They don't have a clear running back, so that could, in theory, um, thwart their efforts when they get near the goal line or they have scoring opportunities. Um, But I think regardless, there's going to be enough scoring opportunity uh, that Hauschka will be fine, even if a running back does emerge, and he is the top four for four uh, value kicker of the week in our value uh, tables for for FanDuel.
0: Definitely, some good calls there, and I, I actually think Hauschka, his ownership will probably be kept in check just because Russell Wilson will be so popular, and mm-hmm. people tend to not want to double dip in those kind of situations, even though kicker and good point. kicker and QB are are actually positively correlated, but. People tend to not want to double-dip there, so Hauschka might be a situation to take advantage of. And speaking of the Seahawks, we'll go right into defenses. The Seahawks' defense is a pricey play, but it is should be a very worthwhile play. They're 5,400 on FanDuel and 4,200 on DraftKings. They've been a top-three Fantasy defense this season, they're favored by more than two touchdowns at home against the Browns. Cleveland's team total is hovering around 14 points, which is about as low as you can go. And the Browns rank dead last in 4 for 4 schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. So the Titans held that spot for a long time this season. The Browns are there now, so it pretty much lines up perfectly for a situation to play the Seahawks. But we did mention they're a bit pricey, especially on DraftKings. So another option who has really come on lately has been the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, They'll get to face off against a Ravens offense that's been completely decimated by injuries at their skill positions and pretty much everywhere. So, you know, they'll get Matt Schaub or Clawson, the Chiefs have scored double-digit fantasy points in six of their last seven games. They're favored by over a touchdown this weekend. Baltimore's team total is hovering around seventeen points. I guess the only real issue that makes the Seahawks a better play. The Seahawks are, you know, have the bigger point spread and are at home. But the, the way the Chiefs have been playing, they've actually been con- more consistently producing strong fantasy games than the Seahawks over the past six weeks. So mm-hmm. great. Uh, Play there. And then anytime a team is favored by double digits. You have to. Give a look to their fantasy defense in DFS. And the Patriots are favored by two touchdowns against the Titans. They're at home. They are 5k on FanDuel and 3,700 on DraftKings. The Titans team total is sitting below 17 and I mentioned Tennessee has been in that last place spot in terms of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. Right now they rank 29th in that metric, so still pretty bad. Uh a situation where we have three large favorites this week that um those are pretty much where you want to go with defenses. Uh anything else, TJ?
1: Uh, The only thing I have is it's not even really a a stat that's going to drive you to pick one player or the other, but I just don't think I've ever seen it before. Uh, In the Cleveland-Seattle game, uh, the spread is actually higher than Cleveland's team total. Uh, Seattle's favored by 14.5, and Cleveland's projected to score 14.25. I don't know if I have ever saw that, and I just thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. It's just crazy, crazy stat.
0: There was one time, yeah, I think there was only one other time that I can remember, and it, it also happened recently, or it was a couple years ago when the Seahawks were favored over who was it? Was it the Raiders? I think the Seahawks were favored by something ridiculous, but like twenty six. A couple maybe years ago. the
1: the only one other one I could think of that maybe um, I don't have the number in front of me. I know, I know. Denver was favored by something like 24 over Jacksonville a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, I
0: remember that. Yep. Yeah,
1: so that that might have been it too, but that's still just crazy to see that when you when you're looking at the numbers, you almost have to do a double take.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, Vegas not very confident that Johnny Football will have any success on the road in Seattle. So um Let's now move on to our DFS theory topic. We're going to revisit regression talk about how it relates to player selection because I think it's a really important topic and uh, TJ brought it up and we really wanted to spend some time uh, talking more about it. So TJ, why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a topic we've talked uh, talked about before. Um, I don't think we've dove into it exactly how we, we tackle um, regression. Uh, it's something you hear a lot leading up to the season, especially in uh, in, in redraft leagues. Um, once you get into the season, uh, there's always an issue of sample size, uh, and it, it can get a little, um, a little ambiguous of exactly how big of a sample you're looking at. Um, which players should regress, how you should even think about regression. Uh, The way I use regression in DFS is I like to look at uh, recent trends, uh, specifically uh, touchdown trends, and use it for um, analyzing my GPP picks. Um, If we're thinking about players in terms of regression, uh, we're usually talking about players that have a a stat line or um, usage that suggests... Um, higher scoring than they've recently been producing. Uh, what that means is they haven't been doing very well, so they're probably not great cash games option options anyway. Um, so for that reason, this is usually um, analysis for GPPs, but I think it's still uh, useful just because you still do want touchdown upside in your cash games. Um, so when I'm talking about regression, I'm usually talking about scoring tendencies. Uh, specifically touchdown rates. Um, And I'm usually uh, targeting those players that have been underperforming, which oftentimes will lead to a depressed price. Uh, Now, when we look at at regression in terms of of position, uh, there are a couple ways you can talk about touchdown rates and specific scoring tendencies. You can look at specific players and their historical numbers uh the only reason you can get that can get a little gray is because uh sometimes players have short careers sometimes they're in vastly different situations if it's a receiver maybe they have a different quarterback we just can't expect their old production uh but then there are players that are just those big body touchdown scoring uh you know maybe like wide receiver someone like a des bryant where regardless of the situation uh, it's pretty clear that they have a certain uh, efficiency uh, in the red zone or, or in scoring rates. Um, someone like Eric Decker, someone that really stands out in that respect. Um, also, you can just look at uh, historical rates in terms of, of position. Uh, there, There's lots of ways you can look at it. The way I've been looking at it recently is early in the year, I looked at um, at – 2014 numbers uh, were far enough into the year that I've been looking at scoring rates by position uh, through 2015. Um, Just to uh, run through some of those numbers, um, this is going into last week. Um, Running backs have scored on 27.3 of their touches inside the 10-yard line going into last week, uh, and that is over a sample size of 736 running back touches across the league. Uh, Wide receivers score on uh, 24.1% of their red zone targets this year. Um, That is a sample size of 1,002 targets going into last week. And tight ends are the most efficient position in terms of scoring. They have scored on 31.5% of their red zone targets. That's a sample size of 445 targets uh, and that kind of makes sense just because we've seen that uh, those big bodies score closer to the goal line. Um, what I like to do is I like to compare recent scoring opportunities, usually the past six to eight weeks, depending on the situation, uh, for specific players and uh, see how how many looks they're getting relative to the rest of the league. Um, if it's a player that's near uh, the top of the league uh, in terms of targets or touches, Uh, inside the 10 or inside the 20, um, but their scoring rate is down, then that's probably a regression candidate. Um, It's someone that we can expect to take that usage and turn it into touchdowns. Again, we can compare that to their uh, historical uh, data if they have a large enough sample size, if they're in a similar situation, or we can simply compare it to um, the positional uh, data, the positional touchdown rates uh, for their specific position. Uh, So that's kind of how I I think about uh, players that might be regressing towards some scores, uh, someone that is a GPP candidate that might be low on just because their production has been a little bit lower. Um, Before I get into specific examples from last week and a couple examples from this week, Chris, do you have any specific thoughts on just uh, general regression analysis?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, well, the first thing uh, for the listeners out there, who don't know exactly why we're talking so much about touchdowns is because touchdowns are the most inconsistent stat on a weekly basis. We've talked Mm -hmm. about this before, but really, they can only be 0 or 1 or 2. There's not much wiggle room there. So because of that, touchdowns are the hardest to predict, the hardest to account for in projections if you really start digging into weekly projections you'll see that a lot of running backs and receivers are projected for 0.4 touchdowns or 0.5 or Mm 0.3 or 0.6 or 0.7 now obviously they can't score 0.3 touchdowns or 0.6 touchdowns but yet that does get uh, weighed into their projections so that's why regression is important when it comes to touchdowns because a lot of times you'll have a situation where uh, when a player is not scoring touchdowns his price will stay depressed a bit mm. artificially because these salary algorithms are generally working on past performance. So you'll have a a, a player who maybe hasn't scored in a couple of weeks or something like that, and his price will start to plummet. And you can check out player pricing. Uh, four has a player pricing tool under the DFS tab on the homepage. It's the fifth item down. And you can really... Kind of look at, you know, who are the players with price drops, and then look at those price drops and say, well, yeah, maybe his fantasy output has been low, but is it really because he's been getting less opportunities, or is it just because he hasn't been scoring as many touchdowns, so... I think that's that's the really important takeaway here is that when we talk about regression uh we 're really mostly talking about touchdowns because that 's the stat that is the most volatile mm-hmm. uh, in terms of things like targets or opportunities and general touches for running back whatever um, those things they're they 're in kind of control of human human control, so mm-hmm. uh, those things can change and trends can emerge and uh, those things can change at the drop of a hat, but when it comes to touchdowns that's something that uh statistically uh we have difficulty predicting and therefore we have to use uh other statistical methods such as being aware of regression in order to really get a leg up on the competition because i don't think i see some people doing this where they're like Okay, well, you know, this guy's, I think this guy is good for a score this week, or I don't think this guy's good for a score this week. And I think that's not really the way you want to go about projecting touchdowns because you're really just giving yourself kind of like a coin flip or worse uh, shot in most cases at predicting a touchdown. So you kind of want to look at the situations where uh, it's going to work in your favor, where a guy has the opportunities to score the touchdowns but has just been undervalued and is due for some regression.
1: Yeah, I mean, you made a you made a really great point about um, just comparing the the touches to actual production, and that's where a lot of people can get in trouble with that that box score scouting. You just see those zeros under touchdown over the last couple weeks, and you think they're just not touchdown scores, uh, so they don't have upside. But you really have to look at those um, you really have to look at those opportunities, um, and this. Isn't a a method that's foolproof, obviously. Um, You can't 100% uh, predict touchdowns on a week-to-week basis, um, but I would like to just... Uh, run through some examples from last week. I mentioned that I went on a little bit of a a regression uh, rant on Twitter last week. It's not always going to work out this cleanly. Um, There's a lot of variance in football, but uh, just a couple examples. Uh, Last week, Doug Martin, he had uh, 13 touches inside the 10 over his past six games, but scored just once. Uh, He scored a touchdown last week. Jonathan Stewart, 13 touches inside the ten over the last six weeks, but had scored um, on just one of those. He scored a touchdown last game. Alshon Jeffrey, eight red zone targets since week seven, but hadn't converted one into a score. He scored a touchdown last game. Uh, Golden Tate, seven red zone targets since week seven. That was top ten in the league, but he had just one red zone score. He scored twice last week. Um, so, I mean, those are just some, some cherry-picked examples of guys that were uh, – you know, getting their opportunity hadn't turned them into touchdowns and they were all flying a little bit under the radar, especially guys like, um, like Tate and people were kind of off Alshon because he hadn't been doing well. They all had really good games. Um, and just to reiterate the reason we're talking about these running back touches inside the 10 and, uh, tight end and wide receiver targets um inside the 20 is because uh we've seen multiple studies including chris's study on four for four that shows that that area for those positions is where um, touchdown scores, scoring goes up exponentially um, once running backs are inside the 10 once receivers are in in the red zone uh we see a really big hike um in touchdowns so before i jump into just a couple quick candidates this week do you want to touch on anything else chris
0: Um. No, I think that that's that's really the important thing is to just uh, look at those uh, situational stats when we're talking about regression. They're kind of the hidden stats Um, Mm -hmm. in our in the industry here. You know, we always talk about this, but we're kind of in a bubble where we're highly aware of these red zone trends and these red zone targets and these targets, uh, these touches inside the ten and inside the five. Um, But they aren't necessarily if even if they're mainstream because I know now you know you're seeing pro football reference kind of put the put the fantasy red zone stats up and things like that but even though these stats are mainstream that doesn't necessarily mean they're being used in the right way mm-hmm. so again you know we're using them on one hand to you know, kind of validate the picks we're already uh, feel confident about in in terms of their scoring opportunities. But then we're also using these to find hidden value in guys that a lot of people may be off um, just because they haven't actually produced touchdowns. Um, but again, touchdowns are pretty much the most important thing in fantasy uh, just in terms of ha- making a difference uh in your lineup score on a weekly basis you know we we always look for the opportunities in as a starting point but really when you're when it comes down to it uh on on a Sunday if your team is scoring touchdowns you're going to be in a really good position so that's why we really want to utilize these situational stats these red zone numbers and for the listeners out there that maybe are wondering how they can dig deeper into this if they really wanted to, Um, what you can do is you can actually go to a pro football reference, a gameplay finder, Mm -hmm. and you can... Put in any yard line of your choosing and any time frame of your choosing and look at uh, player targets or player touches uh, within that yard line. So you can maybe, maybe you don't want to look at the five, what it said, maybe you look at the seven yard line or you look at the 15 for wide receivers or you only want to look at the last five or six weeks or even the last two weeks and you can kind of see any emerging trends or see how teams are using uh, players nearest the scoring zone and another thing to keep in mind is one thing that even though there's a small sample overall of these red zone opportunities for a team on a given basis uh, a lot of times they don't get more than a handful of red zone opportunities or red zone plays in a given game but the thing is uh, teams are practicing red zone in a specific portion of practice every week generally um, they have a sp- uh, specific portion of practice uh, set aside for red zone. And teams, over the course of the year, you'll start noticing teams will run the same concepts or the same mm-hmm. plays in the red zone over and over. So even though the sample is small, when you do see a player getting a red zone target or two, you know that's something to really keep in mind because that's likely to continue. Just because that's how teams run their offenses, they don't have access to necessarily their whole playbook, or or and they're not necessarily using all, all their packages, their sub packages when they're in the red zone. They're generally sticking to their bread and butter, so you can kind of look at that. And you can and one other thing I just wanted to. It's a little bit of a tangent, but when you see guys getting red zone targets, sometimes that can be an indicator that they're about to get more targets, period, throughout the rest of the yeah. field because if you, if they get trusted um, in that part of the field, um, that generally means that the team uh, thinks they're an asset and wants to get them the ball. But um, that was a bit of a long-winded uh, tangent there. Uh, you can uh, continue. Uh TJ.
1: No those are great points, especially the uh the increased usage um, outside of the red zone um so just I'm just going to quickly go through a couple of candidates this week um again I'm looking at recent production over the last six weeks, and this will only be covering um, players on the main slate uh, if we look at recent uh red zone or uh, work inside the 10 um, and we see a player on a team with an inflated team total uh, that's especially exciting because we expect that team to get um, more red zone or goal line looks and, and that player is going to get a bigger role uh, with scoring opportunities um, so we'll start at running back where we expect a uh, players to score on about 27% of their touches inside the 10. Denard Robinson, a guy that you already talked about this week, he has eight touches inside the 10 over the last six weeks. Uh, He's only converted one of those touches into touchdowns, uh, and the Jaguars are in a high-scoring game with an inflated team total of 26. Uh, One of my favorite regression candidates of the week, Devontae Freeman, he has seven uh, touches inside the 10 over Uh, The last six weeks over the last five games for him because he missed a game, um, but he hasn't scored on any of those touches. Uh, We've seen how efficient he can be uh, near the goal line early in the season. Again, an expected high scoring game, uh, 49 points between the two teams with a spread of just three. Um, Antonio Andrews averaging over one touch inside the 10 over Tennessee's last six games. Um, He scored on just one of those touches. However, Tennessee has a team total under 17, uh, so the opportunity may not be there uh, this week. Uh, Jumping to wide receiver, where we expect... Uh, the position to score on roughly 24% of their red zone targets. I already touched on Demarius Thomas, uh, 10 red zone targets over uh, the last six weeks. That's third among wide receivers on the main slate. He's scored on just one of those, uh, but he accounts for almost 30% of that team's red zone looks, um, and they may have to throw a lot to keep pace with uh, the Steelers. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, even though he scored last week, he is still a guy that, uh, that can continue to increase his scoring. Um, we've seen him score in bunches before. Uh, Alshon's one touchdown last week um, still puts him at an 11% red zone conversion rate over his last six games where he has seen nine red zone targets per game. Uh, Going back to that Falcons game, Julio Jones, eight red zone targets over his past six games, converted just one of those into a touchdown. Uh, Martavis Bryant, eight red zone targets over his last six games, converted just one of those into a touchdown. Um, Another team with an inflated team total at 25. Brandon LaFell. This is going to be a sneaky play, a guy that I really like for GPPs. A team total over 30. He has seen 8 red zone targets over their last 6 games. Hasn't converted one of those into touchdowns. Um, But he's also seen over 7 targets per game over that span. So uh, expect a Brady wide receiver to perform um, fairly well. Uh, A sneaky one here that really surprised me Jericho Kotchery, eight red zone targets over his last six games only converted one of those into a touchdown Um, I've commented earlier on how efficient Cam has been at throwing touchdowns another team with an inflated team total over 26 against a Giants team that ranks 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, two wide receivers Not too many tight ends that stand out for regression candidates. Um, The one guy that does, going back to the Broncos, this is probably really surprising, uh, Vernon Davis. He's accounted for 32% of the Broncos' red zone targets since Brock Osweiler took over as a starter since Vernon Davis got signed. Um, He hasn't converted any of those six targets into touchdowns, uh, but again, I think the Broncos are going to have to throw to try to keep up with the Steelers, um, and as bad as Vernon Davis is, as many drops as he's had, uh, he stands out as a guy that has been getting those red zone looks, just hasn't converted them yet.
0: Definitely, some really good stuff there, um, that was a really good rundown, uh, I just want to, I guess, close out by talking about, now, okay, so people are going to want to take this information and put it into practice, and one thing I want people to be aware of is don't confuse what you think will be likely regression with uh, emerging new trends mm-hmm. because that's something I think we can tend to make the mistake of, of, okay, a guy's had a good game or two, uh, he's going to regress, I'm going to fade him. And I remember people said that with Devontae Freeman over and over at the beginning of the season, and that didn't work out uh, for, for a while there. Um, so, you know, we we've talked about this before, but the best time frame in general, and this will differ depending on the player because everyone's in different situations and injuries happen at different times, but the in general, the best time frame in terms of player stats to look at is the past six weeks. Mm-hmm. That has statistically proven to be the most accurate predictor of the next week's fantasy production is looking at the previous six weeks. So uh, a guy like, I, I think a guy's a good example is Doug Baldwin. Yeah. You know, he over he's averaging 6 catches, 100 yards, uh, over 100 yards, and, and almost 2 touchdowns over his last 5 weeks, and he's a guy, you know, he's obviously going to regress. He's scored multiple touchdowns in 3 straight games, only 2 players in the history of the NFL since the merger have done that in 4 straight games, so he's uh, looking to tie a record this week, but... At the same time, there are a lot of other situations where uh, a lot of other factors, uh, excuse me, that point to this being a trend. Even if Baldwin doesn't keep up his huge touchdown potential, uh, that doesn't mean that Baldwin's not going to continue to produce and continue to hit value. Um, He's still relatively low priced, and the the Seahawks now they lost Thomas Rawls. Uh, they already lost Jimmy Graham, so Doug Baldwin's still in position with Russell Wilson playing out of his mind to continue to live up to his numbers. And I know a lot of people will say, "Well, Doug Baldwin's, excuse me, going to, you know, Doug Baldwin's going to regress, so I'm going to fade him." And that's not necessarily the right way to look at it. Mm-hmm. You can temper expectations in the touchdown department, maybe, but that doesn't mean that Baldwin won't still be a valuable. Play, and one thing I think this comes back to again is just looking at player pricing and look for those price drops um, yeah. uh, in general because those that 's the opportunity where you 're really going to see some guys that you can take advantage of for the regression um, matthew stafford we 've talked about uh, before on the pod how his price for a while in the middle of the season was hovering at pretty much career low points, and now you know he 's back up to sixty one hundred on DraftKings, which is pretty high for a quarterback. So we see how a guy can kind of bottom out price-wise because they haven't really been producing uh, necessarily in the touchdown department. And then as they start to pick it up, um, their price will come up. So in DFS, there is kind of... uh, I know a lot of people who play DFS probably came from season-long backgrounds. And I think you can kind of use that season-long background to help you out in DFS sometimes because there's an ebb and flow in DFS now. Looking at wide receivers, there's only, I believe, one wide receiver right now who is averaging one... Actually, no, there's no wide receivers. I think there's one tight end, Tyler Eifert, who's averaging one touchdown per game. So Mm. almost every pass catcher is not going to score a touchdown in every game, they're, especially when you account for the fact that multi, games. Um, there are multi-touchdown games. There are going to be games for almost every pass catcher where they don't score a touchdown. So you can kind of... Use that to your advantage uh, along with the salaries and say, okay, you know, sometimes a guy will score in a couple of weeks in a row and maybe it's a, maybe you jump off him for a week in a matchup you don't like or something like that. And then, you know, if he doesn't score, his price will go down and then you can look ahead and say, hey, well, you know, maybe this guy will, his price will go down in two weeks and I really like his matchup in two weeks. So that, cause a lot of times it's, We make bad decisions because of discomfort, because things are uncomfortable. Um, So we see a guy that's really hot that scored a bunch of touchdowns recently, and we are scared to fade him. But if we can kind of look ahead and say, okay, hey, you know, well... He's been hot, but looking at his next two matchups, I don't really like him. So I I actually want to wait until you know week 17 to play this guy because I really like his matchup, and I'm hoping that his price comes down in the interim. And I think that's something that you can really apply that that's kind of a a concept that comes from season long. So maybe that's something you can even apply to Doug Baldwin in tournaments um, this week. You know, I still think he's a great cash play, and I still think he's a great play. Period. But um, a lot of times. Especially at wide receiver, just because there are so many options, the top values of the day don't always turn out to be the top scorers of the day. So you're not actually losing as much as you think when you fade one of these guys that's just been uh, really uh, lighting it up recently. So uh, that those are kind of what I wanted to point out there. Um, any closing remarks, TJ?
1: That's fantastic stuff, and I think it's going to be uh, worthy of a classic Theory Segment Rewind. I think you crushed it.
0: <laughs> you as well, sir. You as well. So, um, that will do it for us at DFS MVP Week 15. The season is flying by. At the top of the show, mentioned that we give away a free 4 for 4 football DFS subscription. Uh Every week it has a lot of really useful tools. Uh, stack value report, something very unique where we take our projections and evaluate every two man, three man, and four man quarterback to receiver stack, and we also evaluate every running back to defense stack uh, so you can kind of see what the best values are there in terms of stacks and then you can jump over to our lineup generator and maybe lock in a few stacks and build some lineups around those so that's just one of the cool tools I already mentioned the player pricing tool that uh, shows you changes in price from last week changes in price from the start of the season and then there's just really a lot of great content on the site um, uh, Joe Hoka who does a weekly write-up of the top stacks of the week. He's been killing it lately. He wrote up the Wilson and Baldwin stack uh, again last week, and that came through. So uh, really a lot of good stuff on the 4 for 4 football DFS subscription. Um, If your fantasy team, maybe your season-long teams, are starting to uh, fall out of the playoffs uh, slowly, or maybe you didn't make the playoffs, uh, check out... The DFS subscription. Uh, check out DFS in general; it's really cool um, if you are not already. And uh, to win a free four for four DFS subscription, go on iTunes, type in DFS MVP, rate and review the podcast, and uh, next week a winner will be chosen to get a free four for four DFS sub. So. Thank you guys very much for listening, and that's a big thank you to not only the the, the four for four subscribers, but you know just anybody out there listening. Uh, thank you to all the people in the industry uh, that are tuning in. You know, yeah, like, man, industry's yeah, been awesome. Man. Yeah, we really, uh, really thank you for that for all the, the the positive support and the feedback and and the retweets and stuff like that. Uh, we really thank you guys uh, uh, for paying attention and for for tuning in, and that keeps us on our toes, because when we know you guys are listening, we know that we have to bring the heat each and every week, so thank we you guys. Gotta keep happy. <laughs> exactly. So, again, thank you for listening, no matter who you are, why you're listening. He is TJ Hernandez. You can find him on Twitter at T-J-H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z, and you can find me on On Twitter at CHRISRAYBON. That does it for DFS MVP in week 15. Good luck. Let's get this money.